Francisca Priest Live. Guided by the Holy Spirit and honoring the magisterial teachings of the Church. Faithful Catholic priests answering questions for believers and those seeking truth. Ask a priest because Father knows best. And now, your host, Jordan Pacheco. God be praised in his angels and in his saints. Hello, hello, everybody, listeners and viewers all, and welcome to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco. Man, can you feel the chill in the air? It is less than a week before Christmas. So if you haven't bought anything for your mom yet, you need to get it now rather than later. I am so excited. It's been a crazy crazy short advent. I was lighting my candles yesterday and I was just looking at them and going, man, it's been such a short advent, only 22 days that we might be able to save the candles for next year. But I hope that everybody uh, is preparing to have a very holy, a very Merry Christmas. I hope that you all are staying warm. It's getting a little bit chilly here in Colorado. I'm dressed as my lumberjack self today, so that's all right. Today's going to be an absolutely great show. We have Canon Luke Zignego who joins me from the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest and Chaplain of St. Joseph Oratory in the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Canon, it's always a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Hi, Jordan. I'm doing well. Thank you. How about you? Staying, staying warm out there? Staying warm. I have my, my vest is sitting over here on my bed just in case in case it gets a little chilly. But yeah, we are we are still kicking here here in the mountains. So we'll be we'll be just okay. Does it get cold where you're at? Is it is it pretty chilly? Yes, uh, actually, I'm so I'm in Chicago right now, and we've had a pretty mild fall and first part of winter. In fact, remarkably mild. And just this past week, it's gotten a lot colder. Those who live in the area will know. It's uh, temperatures have plunged, so, so it was below freezing a little bit earlier today when we were uh, helping out at the local food pantry with a uh, Christmas giveaway, and uh, so a little little chilly, but uh, uh, so far uh, so far so good. It'd be nice if we could get some snow and have a white Christmas, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see. Well, it's supposed to snow for us on Sunday, so uh, clearly we're getting it first. So well, uh, I'll tell you how it is in case it's dry there in Chicago. Well, the nice thing to keep us warm is we have a lot of really fun questions popping in. Last week had a lot of great questions, and that's going to continue on because obviously we couldn't get to all the questions. I remember I had a caller um, last week who I wasn't able to get to, so I have to kind of go back and remember who that was. But if you know if I'm talking to you, call in this week. Don't worry, I got you. In the meantime, Canon, we have a lot of great questions piling up. Let's say we go ahead and open the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you. 1-877-511-5483. If you have any questions for Canon Luke Zignego of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, 1-877-511-5483. Or you can email your questions for Canon today, priests at thestationofthecross.com, as well as type them up in the various ways you may be watching the show live, YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. Again, that call-in number, 1-877-511-5483. Well, this makes a lot of sense considering the news that came out this morning and the great confusion, but this opening question canon comes from Josh in Andover, Minnesota. He says, hello, canon. With the recent news from the Vatican stating that priests are allowed to bless same-sex couples, would performing a blessing of this kind be a mortal sin for a priest? Based on natural law, reason, and the tradition of the church, it seems impossible to bless sin in this way. Uh, that's his first question. He has a second one, but that, let's start with the first one. Well, thank you for that question, Josh. Um, certainly, yeah, I saw the news as well. I didn't have too much time to uh, today to look in uh, to the document. I haven't read it yet, so I don't want to pronounce on it. 
one way or the other. What I would say is that would it be a, a mortal sin? Again, it depends what the document exactly states. Uh, if it says, you know, it's it's blessing the union, I don't think that's what it says. I think it's a little more uh, ambiguous than that, blessing the persons in the union. In any case, we know that that sort of union is contrary to natural law, divine law, God's law, um, makes a, a mockery of, uh, of the one man and one woman union, which is holy marriage that God intended, as you read from the first chapters of Genesis and uh, in our Lord's teaching on the sacrament of matrimony when he raised marriage to uh, the status of a sacrament. And so um, it, now there's a differentiation between, uh, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. And so certainly someone who experiences those sorts of uh, same-sex attraction uh, can still receive blessings, can still receive um, uh, the sacrament of confession, provided that they have the will, they recognize that they're the, 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 the evil there and that they are resolved to fight against it and not give into it and not okay it. And so insofar as a blessing like that would be seen as an approval, the church can't do that. And so a priest can't uh, partake in that in approving of something that is contrary to God's law. I mean, we can go and read in the catechism. I don't have the exact citations here before me, um, where the church teaches very clearly about that in the catechism of the Catholic church about how, uh, while not rejecting, uh, the persons we want to correct them because of course, sin separates us from God. So to say, it's a good thing for you to do the sin and we're going to bless it because it separates you from God is, uh, antithetical to the church's, existence her purpose her whole reason uh which is to carry on the work of christ's salvation of reconciling god with man and so that's why the church uh and priests can never participate in something that um uh would separate that would go against the very the very essence of the church's mission of reconciling god with man and so i would kind of give the, that as the principle for interpreting this 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 document whatever whatever it might say um and uh, so certainly the church can't bless sin, uh, although she can bless sinners who recognize that there is, uh, that they are a sinner and they want to change their life. Now, again, we get into the whole question of scandal. And if it's two people who are obviously not, uh, who are living, quote unquote, publicly as a couple and are not intent on uh, reforming their lives, or they're trying to make a spectacle of it and make an example and say, oh, look, the church is blessing. Of course, you can't engage in that. Um, but if someone who has, for example, uh, an attraction like that, um, but is not acting on it, or at least doing what they, they can to, to resist it, of course, you can bless those people individually. And that's always been been the case, just like you can bless someone struggling with whatever other type of, uh, of sin. But we can't uh, bless in a public way uh, to uh, sort of approve that would show an approval of the sin. Um, that sin. You want to get to the second part now? I, yes, indeed. And the second part, you're bleeding right into it. Uh, he continues by saying, "Secondly, how do we understand this pronouncement in term of in uh, terms of Vatican II's Lumen Gentium point twenty five, where it states that we must show." religious submission of mind and will to the ordinary magisterium, even when not spoken ex cathedra. Um, and if you wanted me to give some more context on that, Father, uh, I have Lumen Gentium pointed up. Uh, Josh is getting that particular phrase, religious submission of the will. The sentence goes, um, in matters of a truth, 
uh, on matters of faith and morals, the bishops speak in the name of Christ, and the faithful are to accept their teaching and adhere to it with religious assent. This religious submission of mind and will must be shown in a special way to the authentic magisterium of the Roman pontiff, even when he is not speaking ex cathedra. That is, it must be, uh, must be shown in such a way that his supreme magisterium is acknowledged with reverence. The judgments made by him are sincerely adhered to according to his manifest will and mind. Yeah, so uh, as you as you quoted there, um, essentially what Lumen Gentium is saying is that uh, the teaching of the church uh, has not always been deployed exclusively in ex cathedra statements. That is to say, ones that are um, uh, provided with the most solemn context and wording uh, that the church has used in in her, in her history. And uh, she uses that, for example, in councils or also pronouncements of the Holy Father, but not only and not exclusively. There is also the regular teaching of the church, which is found in the other documents of councils, popes, um, uh, and the the, uh, the teachings of the fathers, etc., that the church has taken and made uh, her own uh, throughout uh, history. And so uh, something we have to understand is that there is a unity. There is a unity to the teaching of the church because the teaching of the church is about supernatural truths and revelation, which concern first and foremost God, and then secondly, his creation and our relationship with him. Uh, there is a fundamental unity there. And so this contradiction of truth is not possible. So it would be wrong of us to to oppose a what we would call the ordinary magisterium to the extraordinary magisterium, which are those very specific pronouncements with the solemn language that is used on the occasions of councils or, um, or uh, encyclicals that define uh, a dogma to believe by all uh, Catholics. And so were we to take... Uh, something that's quote unquote in the ordinary magisterium and uh, find some opposition uh, with something that is in the extraordinary magisterium, it is clear that either uh, our interpretation of the extraordinary magisterium is incorrect or that the ordinary magisterium, uh, our interpretation of that is incorrect or that something doesn't necessarily form a part of the ordinary magisterium. So we also have to judge the quote unquote ordinary magisterium by the perennial teaching of the church and vice versa. We have to be careful of not submitting it to our own personal interpretation, but also uh, of uh, of taking the whole together. So it can be kind of tricky sometimes, but we have the, especially the catechisms and the teachings of the church throughout ages uh, to help us with that, especially in these troubled times. Um, and uh, we, we should be careful not to uh, to uh, to also um, uh, disdain uh, the teachings of, of 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 our of our pastors, you know. But obviously, these troubled times call for a little bit more discernment on the part of the faithful. So we have to be uh, attentive to that. Pray for guidance for the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's not our truth, but rather God's truth that we are seeking to ascribe to. So I would kind of. Uh, encourage people to, to pray for guidance um, and um, uh, direction in that and and hold fast to the the teachings that are found in holy scripture the catechisms and the perennial teaching of the church amen josh those are some great questions to kick us off this hour god bless you thank you so much for sending them in Teresa in uh, Hobart, Indiana, I see that you're on the line. Don't worry, we'll get right to you right after the break. You can hear all this music around me. I don't want to take your question and only give you 10 seconds. In the meantime, I'm Jordan Pacheco. This is Ask a Priest Live. Ken and Luke Zignego joins us today of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. We'll be right back after a couple minutes. Teresa, we'll be right up with you. God bless you. Mm -hmm. 
download the app to take our programming with you wherever you go. Hear what listeners are saying about the regularly updated iCatholic Radio app. The programs on iCatholic Radio are uplifting, educational, and have served to deepen my faith as a Catholic. Thank you for this amazing station. Download the free iCatholic Radio app in your Android or Apple store today. If you already have the app, please consider giving us a five-star review or telling a friend about it. We hear all the time from listeners who discover the station by seeing a Tri-God bumper magnet in traffic. You can request a free bumper magnet and start evangelizing just by driving around town. Go to thestationofthecross.com and click on Promotional Material under the About tab. There, you can request a magnet for your listening area. We even have one for the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Request yours today. This is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. The Catholic Church teaches that when we pray the Liturgy of the Hours, we join the prayer of Christ Himself. It is the perfect sacrifice of praise that extends every Eucharistic celebration into the hours of the day to sanctify time in the whole range of human activity. To learn more, please visit us or go to liturgyofthehours.org. Listening to Ask a Priest Live from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Have a question? Ask a priest. Call 1 877 511 5483 or email us at priests at the station of the cross.com. Bless you, listeners and viewers all, and welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco, and joining me today is Canon Luke Zignago of the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest and Chaplain of St. Joseph Oratory in the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. We would love to hear from you. The phone lines are open. 1-877-511-5483. Again, that's 1-877-511-5483. Or you can email your questions for Canon, priests at thestationofthecross.com. Teresa, you have been so patient holding out there in Hobart, Indiana. So thank you so much for that. And what is your question for Canon? Hello, Canon Signego. My question hi, is Hi. My question is a person dies and goes to heaven and they lived a good life, so they're in heaven, but they have family members who they know are in mortal sin and have not lived a very good life and perhaps may be in hell. How could the person ever be happy in heaven knowing that someone they love is in hell? Thank you. Thank you for that, uh, that question, Teresa. I think there are a few things to consider here. A few things to consider. First of all, um, our consideration of heaven and hell here below uh, as supernatural realities, we see them through the eyes of faith, and yet uh, it's not as perfect as it should be as if we were actually experiencing it. You know, uh, St. Paul says, 
eye hath not seen nor ear heard the wonders that God has prepared for those who love him, talking about the greatness of, of heaven. And certainly the opposite hell, which is the rejection of God, um, the punishment for the rejecting him, our creator, uh, is, is more terrible than we ima- even imagine here below. And so um, your question kind of carries um, on a few things. One thing I would say is that we have to place God at the center of this. So as we're human beings, part of a family, uh, it's normal that we love our family members. We want what's best for them. And what's best for them is, of course, their supernatural well-being, going to heaven, being with God, the reason for which we're created. There's no happiness outside of that. However, uh, we have to be careful, we who are looking on uh, from this side, first of all, of a couple of things, of a couple of things. Uh, here below, we don't know where anyone is except for the saints that the church has canonized, right? The church has said definitively, these people are in heaven. We know they're in heaven. Our family members, you know, obviously, we, we see if they've lived a good life, if they've repented, if they haven't and repented at their end of their life, or if they sadly perhaps have shown no external signs of repentance. Yet, that being said, we're not the ones who judge them. God is. God is merciful. He knows all. He's also very just. So he'll be the one to pass the judgment. So if the person did not live a very good life, our first task should not be to worry, but rather to pray for them, to spend our time here below praying for them, sacrificing for them, so that, you know, uh, even though we didn't see any external signs of uh, repentance, perhaps grace uh, and God was able to touch their heart and they asked him for forgiveness. Um, That being said, let's say we get to the case that you're talking about, that you do go to heaven and one of your loved ones goes to hell. Uh, I think that we have to understand that we need, what does God say? God says you need to love me above all things with your whole heart and soul. That's the first commandment. Thou shalt love the God with thy whole heart and thy whole soul and thy whole mind, above all things, including all other creatures, including uh, our fellow family members, right? Because God is much more lovable than them. And someone, someone who would go to hell has made that choice, right? They have made that choice to reject God. Really, everyone who is in hell hates God. They hate God uh, and have chosen, and uh, you know they, they resemble the demons in that in that regard. They have said, "I choose myself, and I hate you, God." And so that's a terrible thing. God, who is infinitely lovable, has created us to be happy with Him, has never done anything bad, and yet people still reject Him, abuse their free will, and reject Him. And so those people there, when we are in heaven, seeing God, seeing how good He is, seeing Him in His essence, it will make sense to us that it is just that God punishes them, that they have, who have rejected that eternal happiness. Right now, our love of our family members is good, but it's not perfect. Right. Um, and frankly, for the souls in in hell, it is not normal that we have love because they have rejected God. And that might be hard for us to understand because we see them like if we see our family member, one of them is suffering here below. We we want to help. We feel bad for them. But that's that. And that's normal here below because they haven't made that you know, final definitive choice yet. They're still, you know, we can still help them and show love for them. Christ is still in them in some way uh, here below. But hereafter, if someone has rejected God, they have chosen that life for them and 
they have committed evil. And so we should love God. The, the, the point is we need to learn to love God above all things because he is lovable. And anyone who rejects God and hates God should, will not have a place for love in our hearts. And that is only eternally speaking, right in hell here below, even those who you know, act in a sinful way, they're still a potential child of God. But in the hereafter, where we all both have had our wills fixed in God in heaven or in sin in hell, they will be much more cut and dry. Does that kind of make sense? It does. It makes. But it's hard for us to wrap our minds around here, especially our heart. It's hard to wrap our heart around, but we have to understand, you know, our kind of outlook will be different once we've been fixed in eternal happiness. And once we just see how good God is, I think another aspect of it too is uh, having our friends being surrounded by our friends and family in heaven will be a joy and, and a good thing, but it's not the essential. One person in a family of a hundred people, you know, spanning several generations could go to heaven and be perfectly happy and be perfectly happy. But that's because God can make us own. God alone can make us happy. Um, we shouldn't think of heaven as just like a family reunion. It is in a certain sense, but it's a family reunion with the children of God, those who have really loved him, because he will fulfill us in a way that we cannot even begin to imagine. Our joy, it's, it's constant, perfect, ecstatic happiness overflowing. Think of the moment that you've been filled with the most joy in your soul, in your life, and it is that times infinity. That's what heaven is with God and love and perfect. Our soul is filled to bursting at every moment. And that's what we should desire. That's what she does desire because we're with the perfect good, the one who has created us and loved us first, as St. John says. So I'm sorry, I cut you off there. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. No, that's fine. You didn't really cut me off. It's it's fine, okay. and you're right. And I do need to wrap myself around that thought. Mm-hmm. I think a good way to do it is also to spend time with Jesus. For example, in adoration, if you go to adoration, you're there with God in the most tangible source. Uh, of his uh, a sign of his love for us, which is the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, and spend time there. Tell him what you feel in your heart. Lord, help me to love my family. Uh, first of all, do what I can here below for them, because if they're here below, there's still hope. And if they have died, we don't know where they are. We can sort of have an indication from the where they they spent their lives, but we don't judge them, and we don't know for sure, right? Uh, God can uh, can 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 forgive someone everything they've done in an instant. He just needs a little opening uh, for them uh, for His grace to to act. Uh, and so we need to pray so that they have that have that opening, and spending time with Jesus and talking to Him about. Uh, this thing and helping us, asking him to help us desire heaven, that is uh, a great way to help us to wrap our mind and our heart around it and to understand. Because if we truly love God above all things, we'll want what's best for him. You know, God isn't just, you know, the strongest of us. He's not just uh, stronger than the rest of us and or a little better than the rest of us, but still like us. He's so far above us in his perfection. His perfection is greater than all of our goodness together. Um, the, the Something that we've lost, God is certainly our dearest friend, but he's also absolutely infinite and perfect in being. And that awesomeness 
of his uh, who he is is important for us to remember as well, right? Christianity has both those uh, truths. Both God is great and God is close to us. He's transcendent and yet he is, uh, he is present to us in our souls through grace and through his love. Okay, well, thank, thank you. you for that. God bless you, Teresa. Thank you God so much you. for calling in with that tremendous question. God bless you. You're listening to Ask a Priest Live. Ken and Luke Zignego joins us today of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. We'd love to hear from you. The phone lines are open. 1-877-511-5483. Again, that's 1-877-511-5483. You can also email your questions for Canon today, priests at the station of the cross.com, as well as type them up in the various ways you may be watching the show live, YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. I see a lot of great questions, a lot of great chat going on, particularly here in YouTube. So hello, we'll try to get to some of these questions if we have time. But again, the call-in number, 1-877-511-5483. We have this question, Father. This popped in email from Kathy in Buffalo, New York. She says, I noticed on our altar at Mass that the small crucifix was not there. Is this required? Um, so in answer to that question, uh, I, I'm not really sure what the rubrics of the new mass require. If she's talking about the Tridentine mass, um, I mean, I would assume a, uh, a crucifix is required for the, for the Novus Ordo, but regarding the, the, uh, the Tridentine mass, yes, a crucifix is required, whether it's a small crucifix or sometimes churches have a large one that is directly above the altar or on the back wall, which also can, you know, suffice for the, for the altar. Sometimes they have both of them. So there certainly should be the crucifix, which reminds us of the fact that uh, the Holy Mass is the uh, renewal of Christ's sacrifice on Calvary uh, made present for us in this time for our, uh, applying the graces that our Lord won uh, to our souls in this in this present time, in this present moment. And uh, so that crucifix is a visible reminder of our Lord's sacrifice uh, that r recalls his love for us in that tangible way. But uh, that would be more a question, I guess, for the um, for the for the local priest, uh, if there isn't a cross above the altar, just to understand what exactly is required. Kathy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put an asterisk next to your question because I think that was a really, really good answer, Father. I know that Father Anthony Amato celebrates not just the Trinity Mass, but the New Mass as well. And so I know just from my experience growing up, uh, when I was growing up, there wasn't a crucifix on not just the altar in my parish growing up, but pretty much across the board in the Diocese of Colorado Springs. And it really has only, I think, for me, been in the last five years that I've really noticed. I remember coming back home visiting my parents and I saw the crucifix was on the altar of their parish. And now that's the norm, uh, not just for uh, churches in Colorado Springs Diocese, but of course here in the Archdiocese of Denver. Uh, and of course, you don't have to worry about that whatsoever if you go to the traditional Latin Mass. But uh, I'll, 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 um, I'll put an asterisk next to that, Kathy, so that uh, maybe Father Amato can give you some some more enlightenment on that because he's in the Diocese of Rochester. So if this is actually a mandate, um, not just for uh, my local diocese even here in Colorado, but maybe that's something that's across the board for a lot of different dioceses. But that's really cool. It's also really exciting 
it's nice to see crucifixes back on altars. It would be really nice, really nice, if we could see tabernacles and altars kind of melded together again. But hey, that's just my two cents. You're listening to Ask a Priest Live. Canon Luke Zignego joins us today of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. We'd love to hear from you. We're already halfway through our show, so you can call in even throughout the break. We would really love to get your question answered. 1-877-511-5483. Andrew from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You'll be right up right after the break. God bless you. Hello, this is Father Jim Netto with the Diocese of Portland, Maine. In Krakow, Poland on the 2nd of June, 1938, the Lord Jesus himself directed a young Polish Sister of Mercy on a three-day retreat. Sister Faustina painstakingly recorded Christ's instructions in her diary, that is, a mystical manual on prayer and divine mercy. These instructions became Faustina's weapon in fighting the good fight. Jesus began, My daughter, I want to teach you about spiritual warfare. Secret number 10. Let all act as they like. You are to act as I want you to. In this secret, Jesus counsels us to mind one's own business, for this is key in the spiritual warfare. The devil is a busybody attempting to drag everyone down. Please God and let the opinions of others go by the wayside. In fact, Shun those who get pleasure out of hearing and reporting that which is dishonest and shameful. The spreading of gossip sows almost all discord and disunity. The devil delights in disunity and discord. A great many people gossip and slander because of pride. They think that by depreciating others, they will increase their own worth. They want to make the most of their own alleged good qualities. Everything they say and do will be good. And everything that others say and do will be wrong. Lord God, teach us to act as you want. And we beg you, teach us to guard the reputation of others as we would our own. that live video of the show is just a few clicks away? Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Ask a Priest Live. Search for The Station of the Cross on Rumble or check out our Watch Live page at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you listeners and viewers all and welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco and joining me today, of course, is Canon Luke Zignego. He's of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest and currently the chaplain of St. Joseph Oratory in the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Halfway through our show, a lot of great questions popping up and yours can help them become even a better crop. 1-877-511-5483. Again, that call-in number, 1-877-511-5483 or you can email your questions for Canon today priests at the station of the cross.com as well as type them up on youtube facebook or rumble whatever way you're watching the show live again that call-in number 1-877-511-5483 someone who knew our call-in number of course is andrew in pittsburgh pennsylvania andrew always good to hear from you and what's your question for canon hey jordan hey canon zignego uh canon i know we had a question about this at the, the beginning of the show so not to beat a dead horse to death 
uh, but sometimes it can use a couple extra whacks. It, it's about the, the Pope's statements or the Vatican statements. Um, so he's saying you can bless gay people the same way that, you know, everybody else gets blessed at mass. But that's obvious. You know, it, why was the statement even necessary? You know, it, in my view, it's giving the liberal and virulently anti-Catholic media you know, grounds to just go after us and just depress the more orthodox Catholics. Like, I have the headlines pulled up now um, from AP News. Pope Francis approves blessings for same-sex couples. The Wall Street Journal, Vatican issues guidelines for same-sex blessings. The Washington Post, Pope Francis allows blessings of same-sex couples, shifting Vatican guidance. The New York Times, Pope Francis allows priests to bless same-sex couples. That's not what he said at all. So, I, you know, I'm beginning to think Pope Francis has been, you know, sabotaged by those around him because, you know, they either knew or should have known that this statement would be misinterpreted, as was the case with a couple other technically true, uh, but way too vague statements they've put out in the past. So I was I was hoping to go a little bit deeper on that issue, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I... What you say is certainly possible. Yeah, I think uh, again, I, it, it sounds like it sounds like uh, they're using that to push a particular narrative. You know, uh, when you start getting into intentions, what he intended to say, what, who helped him put that out, how much does he actually know what's happened? I don't. I don't know. I'm not there in Rome. I'm not in the meetings. I'm not really entirely sure. In any case, it's going to do damage for sure. Um, uh, even if he is just reaffirming the teaching of the church, do you know in the document if it refers to the people that are in a union or simply people who have a same-sex attraction? Because I, I think the difficulty myself, but okay. um, from from what I understand, it is anybody seeking a blessing from a priest, like anybody else would at a mass can get blessed. That's not a liturgical, you know, sanction of their false and evil union, but, you know, God's mercy knows no bounds. You know, anybody seeking that should be able to get blessed. Right. You know, yeah, in a certain sense, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, it depends. It's kind of analogous to the fact, for example, if you have, um, if you have, uh, there's a difference between, you know, feeling the the temptation, the attraction, and actually, you know, kind of living that lifestyle, right? And saying, oh, I'm in a couple with, you know, this other person of the same gender, and yet I'm still going to come seek a blessing. It's like, okay, but why? Like, are, do you want the blessing so that you stop in that sinful thing? Just like we would say someone who's living in adultery should stop that. And if they're coming to be blessed to help to be removed from that, to have the strength to make the right choice, then certainly, because uh, there is a right intention there, but if they're coming to receive some sort of sanction of that, even if it's not explicit, uh, that's more uh, problematic. Do you see that? So uh, again, if it's simply blessing someone who has that kind of uh, inclination, just like any other person has a sinful inclination and wants to fight against that, of course, of course the blessing can be given. but. You know, certainly in any case, it's being misrepresented by the media uh, for their own ends, which I think is the point you're making. So, yeah. No, exactly. Thank you. I just I just wanted to hammer that home because the virulently anti-Catholic media, you know, I saw these headlines and I was like, 
Yes. That's not what the Holy Father said, but correct. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I think that's a that's a good clarification. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for calling that in, Andrew. Yeah, this has been. I woke up to this one this morning, and ironically, I found kind of the biggest piece of clarity uh, of all places, not on any of my usual go-to Catholic sites. I think that unfortunately, uh, we've kind of swallowed a little bit of. Now, this is this is. I just you know, I'm I'm not some goodness. We're not ten years ago, are we, people? There's no Pope's planning is kind of dead. Now I'm saying like, so this is just adding confusion to the fire. Don't get me wrong there, but ironically, I found some of the greatest clarity of it to come from not the bee this morning of all places, which uh, the author of this article, who was a Protestant, actually broke down what was being said and the limitations of these things. If you do um, LifeSite News article, all the articles kind of link to. The original document so we went through it it's confusing to sin but yeah it, it's not this is not a blessing of of unions it's not a blessing of people who are living in sinful lifestyles um the document doesn't just touch upon homosexuality uh, or, or same sex as it also talks about you know that what's a lovely buzzword that's been used oh uh couples in irregular situations and a couples in the same sex love that kind of misnomer couples in irregular situations but anyway andrew thank you so much for calling in for all of people um this is why you know not to not to toot our own horn but this is i think is why uh, a show like this is kind of important right because there's a lot of confusion out there and let's be real here i think it's flipped uh, my great joke is that 20 years ago you could probably get something pretty orthodox out of rome and you'd have to kind of tilt your head a little bit because you might get something strange coming out of your your local priest um those who moved all their put the carpets in and moved all their tabernacles to the side and all that kind of jazz kind of a little bit confusing um now it, it ironically feels a little bit opposite where there are a lot of really good solid priests we have one today in canon luke zignego uh but also the stuff coming out of rome canon you talked about how like you usually you'll usually stay clear and kind of try to process the news that comes out of rome because of how much natural confusion it has unfortunately that is the norm for a lot of us catholics and so i think that a show like this offers great clarity but i think it's also just a good call canon right that uh this is why we focus on the parental teachings of the church we see uh what what has the church taught all time space and history and that we make sure that we're cultivating our family life our prayer life our life with christ based upon the principles of holy mother church we're not we're not whipped in the storm because of a media frenzy or something like that yeah i think that's a great point jordan thank you for uh, uh for for bringing that up absolutely and we also have to be careful um you know not to to judge before time not to rush into anything and to analyze things and to see again how the how it stands up with the perennial teaching of the church um and the, you know the teachings uh, drawn both from from her magisterium from this uh, scripture and tradition yes amen amen andrew what a great question and clarification thank you so much one eight seventy seven five eleven five four eight three. Let's get back to these questions. Let's have a little bit of fun today. If you have any questions for Canon Luke Zignego of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, I'm looking at some of these YouTube comments. James Brazil speculated this was going to be a spicy show. Not terribly as spicy as you think it would be because I think we're pretty sane over in this part of the world. But yeah, we ain't afraid to talk about stuff, people. That's why we need you to call in. one 877 I see all those questions, YouTube, I see all those questions, email, we will get to them as best we can. But the best way, the easiest way is to call in 1-877-511-5483. Again, that call in number 1-877-511-5483.
This email popped up, Canon. This comes from Stephanie, really interesting one. And she says this. In a recent responsorial psalm, we heard the line, let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. There are a number of other places in scripture where the people of God bless the Lord. I always thought that the greater person bestowed a blessing upon the lesser, not the other way around. Priests can also bless things all the time. The congregation at the uh, conclusion of mass, Easter baskets, pets, etc. My twofold question is this. How is it that a mere human being can bless God himself and can lay people bless others and even inanimate objects? Well, thank you for that question, Stephanie. So I think I'll start with the second part first. So she says at the end of the first part of the question, I always thought that the greater person bestowed a blessing upon the lesser, not necessarily the greater person, but the one in more uh, position of authority, right? Bestowed a blessing upon the other. And so that's the, the answer for the second thing, the priest who holds the place of Christ, right? It's always Christ uh, in his sacred humanity by the power of his divinity who blesses objects through the power of his priesthood impressed upon the soul uh, of the individual priest. And that's, and the church uh, has, uh, has always uh, blessed things from time immemorial. Christ himself used the matter, the different things uh, to perform his miracles, his miracles, which were uh, yes, to benefit the body, but most of all the soul to get those to believe that he was uh, the Messiah, um, to dispose them to receive most of all the forgiveness of sins, which is the greatest gift that he brings to us. And uh, and so that's why the, the priests uh, bless all these different objects of creation, because all of creation is redeemed by Christ's sacrifice on the cross, just as all of creation uh, fell in a certain sense under the, uh, the yoke or the uh, captivity of Satan after the fall. We see that in the punishments that are meted out to the man, the woman, the serpent, uh, the sickness and um, uh, death that enter the world, not just for man, but also for all of all of creation, all living things, uh, the disorder that is entered into the soul, but also material creation after the fall. Christ restored in a certain sense, while not taking away all of the disorder, the, the suffering, uh, he's restored um, these uh, the creation to um, the subjection of God, to God's reign by his blessings, uh, by the blessings. And so there's all these blessings throughout the year that the church gives uh, to these material objects. Going back uh, to, 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 to sanctify them and so that they might be used in according to their, their particular um, uh, use for uh, sanctification. Going to the first part, uh, let your faithful ones bless you, quoting that psalm. Now, not sure what the original Hebrew is, but certainly in Latin, the word for bless is benedico, I bless, benedicere, uh, to bless. And that literally means to speak well of, to speak well of. Now, certainly there's a bigger aspect of that, but in terms of when we bless God, it is not in the sense of bestowing a blessing on him like he does for us, but rather, we you know words are sometimes used with multiple senses, but rather we speak well of him. So it's, it's a synonym for praise. I'll bless the Lord 
I will praise the Lord. I will sing. I will speak well of him. I will recount his benefit. Um, his uh, what he has done for me, the good things that he has done for me, how he has been my benefactor. I will uh, speak praises of his works. Uh, all of that is how we bless God. Let all your works give you thanks by their gl- glory. They speak to the Creator, and they uh, the faithful bless with their with their minds, their hearts, and their mouths. They speak well of God, and so that's the sense in which we bless God, uh, using that English term there, or in Latin benedicere. Whereas when He blesses us, not only does He speak well of us, but God, being all powerful, His word accomplishes something, uh, and so it, it His word goes forth and effects a change in us or gives us grace, um, uh, transforms us in some way, grants us a blessing, etc. Amen. A very, very great question, Stephanie. Thank you so much for sending it in. God bless you. You're listening to Ask a Priest Live. Canon Luke Zignego joins us today at the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest. Man, is that the music already? This show has been awesome, but it means we also only have one more segment after the break. It sneaks up on me all the time but trust me if you want to get your questions in for canon today we would love to hear from you 1-877-511-5483 again that's 1-877-511-5483 or you can email your questions for canon today priest at the station of the cross.com it's sometimes difficult youtube i see y'all and sometimes it's tricky to get a question in from you guys but i'm going to scour try to do my best if we can but the best way of course is to call in 1-877-511-5483 or of course email priests at the station of the cross.com i'm jordan pacheco canon luke zignego joins us for one more segment of the institute of christ king sovereign priest a lot of great questions still to answer we're going to do our best right after the break god bless you we'll see you in just a couple minutes The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Joe McLean here, host of A Catholic Take, heard on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. A bold synthesis of information and inspiration, keeping you up to date on the news and issues that you may have missed from a courageous Catholic perspective. That's A Catholic Take, weekday morning, 7 a.m., right here on the Station of the Cross and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Download it today. God love you. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. That Jesus meant what he said as thousands of people are leaving him. Don't you think he would have corrected him if they got him wrong? But he didn't. So he must have said what he meant. And he is the Eucharist. And no one else has that but the Catholic Church. And my wife said, what do you think? I said, I think we're Catholic. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the Station on the Cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the Station of the Cross. 
Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Enjoying the show? Catch up on podcasts of past episodes on your favorite platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, TuneIn, and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you listeners and viewers all, and welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco, and joining me today is Canon Luke Zignego of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. This is our last segment. It's also our shortest segment of the day. So I give this PSA each and every time because I always want to try to fight against what typically happens. Chris Cook on YouTube says, pray for courage and call in folks. Yo, that's totally true. At the very end, the last two minutes, James can tell you, our producer, Daniel can tell you, our producer, I can tell you, there's always like three phone calls and five questions on YouTube and like three emails and they all pile in at the same time. It's always like when the music's going on. It's kind of funny. And listen, I love the fact that y'all get your questions in. We want to answer as many questions as we can, which is why I'm telling you to call in now while I'm ranting. 1-877-511-5483. If you have a question for Canon Zignego today, we'd love to hear about it. 1-877-511-5483. Or you can email your questions for Canon priests at the station of the cross.com doing a last skyrim of youtube too if i can get a question in from you guys i will do my best but of course the best way is to call in 1-877-511-5483 all right this email popped up canon greg he says this oh kind of <laughs> i feel like it's like very related in a very loose way from all the news is it okay for someone to make a donation to the church with the condition that it's used for a specific purpose for example if you wanted it to be used to purchase a statue or make certain repairs or do some upgrades to a building, that kind of a thing. Thank you for that question, Greg. So I would preface it by saying, first of all, thank you for your uh, support, which, uh, you know, without which the, um, the priests aren't able to do their do their jobs to uh, to provide spiritually for all the faithful. And so we're very grateful when when people are generous um, to us uh, to allow us to do that, you know, especially by taking care of the church buildings and infrastructure and uh, to make beautiful liturgies, um, which are the source of uh, many of the graces, if not the majority of the graces we receive, uh, and then allowing us to do the other other works uh, that are that are necessary for our vocations. And uh, so in answer to his question, I would say this. First of all, yes, it is okay to make a specific a donation for a specific purpose, that's fine what it is, but I would encourage you to speak to your priest first about it. Uh, because the priest has the care of the whole um, uh, community, um, he kind of has a good pulse, the pastor does, uh, on what is needed at that time. And so while we're certainly open to recommendations from people, um, we also you know, kind of have the care of deciding, okay, this is what we should be doing right now, this is what we should be doing right now. So otherwise you get everyone kind of uh, giving their own opinion, um, their own input on what needs to be done. Everyone will think a different thing is important, and finally nothing will get done. It's kind of like if you go, the mother goes shopping, she has all her kids with her, and the little ones are constantly pulling things off the shelf. Oh, can I have this? Oh, can I have this? Oh, can I have this? She can't say yes to all of them. She's got to pick the groceries she needs, what is necessary for them at the time. So sometimes she has to say, no, we're going to spend our money over here, etc., cetera, uh, to be able to do that well. And, you know, sometimes people have ideas that are, you know, born of piety or some other motive, but it's maybe not what's needed at the time. For example, someone could say, oh, I want to give, um, you, you know, donate, um, 
you know, donate a thousand dollars and I want you to put a, an elevator in the church. Uh, and that's very good, but you know, that's, that's very nice. Um, but you're going to need more than that to do it. And if that's all you can give, that's a good start, but it may not be in budget at the time. Um, it may not be possible. You know, someone might want a statue to this saint. Someone might want a statue to that saint. And so it's always good to talk to your priest about it, uh, beforehand. Uh, and that being said, you can still, you know, if you get this okay, you can donate according to a specific uh, purpose. And sometimes particular calls or appeals are put out for those uh, different um, uh, different specific purposes uh, at the time in, that are needed in, at that time in the life of the uh, local uh, parish or church. Amen. A really great question, Greg. Thank you so much for sending it in. God bless you. One eight seventy seven five eleven five four eight three. I only have about five more minutes of show left, so if you want to get your question in, no time like the present. The phone lines are currently open. I scared away everybody, but the emails are flowing, so don't worry. We will get to as many questions as we can. But if you want to have your question answered by phone, best way to do is to call in now. One eight seventy seven five eleven five four eight three. Again, that's one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. Now, moving right along, Lindsay has a really, really good question via email format just popped up. Lindsay says this, is it a mortal sin to gossip with someone, even if you did it without malicious intent? I'm not talking about that old line that goes, it's not gossip because it's true. I mean, if without any intention of casting someone in a negative light or harming their reputation, you share information that you later realize could make someone look bad. Is that a mortal sin? So that's a good question. Um, so uh talking about gossip uh there's a few different um distinctions to be made when we talk about you know sins of the tongue so what she's referring to here i guess would be unintentional detraction so detraction is when we reveal to a third party uh the faults uh of a uh, of a second party of someone else uh without due cause that paints them in a bad light and these are true faults that they have real defects that they might have but which are unnecessary to reveal to that party either because they're not they don't need to be privy to it or it's not um there's no there's no benefit from it or we're doing it to kind of paint them in a bad light you can have a bad intention all those things can kind of lead to that and that can be very easily a serious sin depending on the faults that we re reveal uh of another if this faults are serious or our intention is to completely ruin their reputation uh in a serious way it can be serious now it isn't always you know if we for example tattling on someone could be a form of detraction you know for a, a child and while that would be sinful it wouldn't necessarily be a serious sin so it kind of depends again on the the quantity or the i should say the the gravity of the of the fault and the intention also that we have in doing it here she's saying what if i do that by accident well uh, the only way I see that happening by accident is if we are already talking too much, right? Uh, so if we have the temptation to talk too much, we should be careful to be, first of all, to pray to our Blessed Mother um, and St. Joseph, who admirably practiced the virtue of restraint with regards to the tongue, um, and also try to keep our speech positive. So certainly in that case, you know, the, the, the case that she raises when you shared something and later realized it was probably not a mortal sin because there was not enough reflection uh, at the time. 
However, that being said, this is an opportunity to learn from that and say, I need to be more careful with talking about this. And if I find myself talking with such and such a person and we start talking about someone else and then it leads to these things, oh, you know what I heard, the latest thing, we need to stop that right away. We need to stop that right away. Uh, when we're talking about the faults of others, what, uh, there's a few things that should, generally that's something that we should not permit ourselves to do, except for example, if we have an authority over the person whose faults we're talking about, for example, parents can talk about their children's faults, not because they're tattling on one another, but in view of correction of the child, there's a legitimate um, uh, responsibility that they have to provide that correction. Um, or if someone, if we need to offer a fraternal correction to someone or talk to someone who can then offer it to them. Again, what is our goal in doing it? Are we seeking to correct the fault, address the fault, or are we simply venting or painting the person in a bad light? And if we are seeking to correct the fault, um, in an actual concrete way and that, you know, is part of our responsibility, either from authority or fraternal, um, uh, correction, uh, then perhaps then we can bring it up. But if it is simply just to vent or to paint the person in a bad light, then it's sinful. And depending on the gravity of the fault, it can be seriously sinful. So as the Holy Scriptures say, he who speaks much cannot fail to sin. So let's be careful to practice, especially during this time of Advent, that mortification of the tongue, which is so beneficial to our souls. Amen. Lindsay, what a great question to close off this hour. Thank you for sending it in. And Canon, thank you so much for joining us today. Before you go, we leave us with your blessing. Absolutely. Per intercessionem beati Maria, sempre virginis et sancti Joseph et omnium sanctorum sorum, benedictio de omnipotentis, patris et fidii et spiritus sancti, descendat super vos et maniat semper. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Canon. Thank you so much. And all of you listeners and viewers who helped make this show so incredible, especially right before Christmas. Father John Brancich joins me tomorrow of the Fraternity of St. Peter. So I'll see y'all then. 6 p.m. Eastern time. This is Ask a Priest Live. <laughs>